Hey, as we continue our series on relationships, uh, today is about uh, what does it mean to be an encouraging friend? And I couldn't think of a better way to have my friend Doug Matlock preach to you this morning in all three of our services. Doug's been a, a friend of mine for many years. We first met through student ministry activities here in the state. And then we, uh, our friendship really took off when I joined the staff of First Baptist Ada, where you were currently serving on staff. So uh, how many years has that been, Doug? Uh, it's been about 15 years. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you've just been a great friend and a great encourager to me, and I've enjoyed our friendship over the years. We, we only were living in the same town for three years, uh, so the majority of our friendship has been spent separated from each other. Uh, but you've just been a real great encouragement to me, and uh, and I'm thankful for you. And, and uh, I just want to share one way specifically how you've encouraged me. Uh, I know doing the Masters of Divinity uh, through Gateway Seminary, uh, I, there was a time in my life where I wanted to uh, just kind of bow out of, uh, of doing that, go get the lesser degree, the Master of Arts. But we were doing that MDiv together. We were working on it there in Ada. And then even after we left, we finished it. But uh, I wanted to quit. And uh, you, you encouraged me through words, don't quit. We're doing this together. We're locked in this together. But, but your encouragement wasn't just words. It was more like that firm hand in the back, like, hey, let's keep doing this together. And, and I think about your encouragement in that season where I wanted to kind of throw in the towel, uh, became a place for me uh, where you pushed me that I was able to celebrate our graduation together, our families got to come together, and, uh, and really that was a launching point uh, into even moving into doctoral work uh, and, and doing my doctoral work, that if I would have stopped, mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to get to those places without additional work. And so you're just a real a strong encouragement to me, even in that simple decision of what do I do here at this crossroads and pushing me forward. Yeah, well, and, and just even thinking about that, there was a time in my life when I was considering even just giving up in, on ministry in general. Just, just I thought that um, I was, it's time to walk away and I was really discouraged and there was just a lot going on that was uh, really trying to pull me away from that calling that God gave in my life. And, I believe God placed you in my life to encourage me to really call out that calling that He put in my life that I couldn't see at the time because of just the storm I was in, the circumstances in my life, and just you speaking into my life and God bringing you into my life in 2008 was just such a blessing. And He used the Holy Spirit speaking through you to me to really help me um, see that calling in a new way, really affirm that calling, and help me continue on just in the ministry. And then. Of course, you, you mentioned school and how, just how much of, of, of a blessing that was to do that together. And, um, but also even the times in my life, there's been some stuff that we've walked through as a family that you guys as a family have spoken into our lives and just been such an encouragement and a blessing. And uh, I know the Matlocks look up to the Giacomos every day as just, just you're just our heroes. So yeah. I'm yeah. so, so grateful to have you as my friend, not only just as someone that I'm walking alongside with, but again, someone that calls out the things that God's doing in my life when I can't see it. And I, that's, you know, that's the beauty of friendship, right? That, uh, I mean, a lot of sometimes friendships, a lot of it's mundane. It's just day to day. Mm -hmm. uh, you engage each other, but that's what friends are for. That in moments that, that you need encouragement, they see that, they step into that. Sometimes even unaware that they step into those places. And, and uh, my hope is today as they listen to you talk about what it means to be an encouraging friend, that, that many of us uh, will begin to reflect upon our own life as friends and, and other people's lives and say, hey, what do I need to do to be a better encourager? Mm -hmm. uh, with words, with, with presence, and also, uh, you know, sometimes with actions, that, that, like I said, that firm hand in the back that presses on. Yeah. We've celebrated a lot of things together, kids, 
graduations, um, you know, ministry wins and, and moments. We've had a lot of cool moments together, yeah. and I know that the Lord will continue to use our friendship in the days ahead. And so I, I thank you for being here today to share with our people. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Doug, and I'm glad to be here with you today. Just honored to be able to share the word with you, and so grateful that Jeff invited me to come and preach with you this morning. And I want to invite you to take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to talk today about biblical friendship and what that means and what we can learn from the Scripture in that. And uh, before we dive into the Scripture, I want to just give you just a, a glimpse into a part of my life. Uh, when I was in college at East Central University in Ada, I met my wife there. We got married in college. So when we got married, we lived in the luxurious, I mean, high-end married student housing at East Central University. In case you didn't understand, that's sarcasm, okay? It was not that, <clears throat> not that luxurious. We had, but we had a couple of bedrooms, had a bathroom, a kitchenette even, and we had cinder block, bright white walls, okay? They were, they were made of block and it was just... It was there. And so when we got in, we needed to put some things up on the walls. We needed to decorate. We needed to, 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 to break, up the, break up the patterns a little bit. So cinder block is, is different. If you've ever hung things on cinder block, you know what I'm talking about, right? If you're at home right now, you go home today and you want to hang up a, a picture or a painting or, or something on the wall, you would maybe put a nail in with a hammer and, you know, you can get there and, and get it hung and, and then it's good. But with cinder block, you've got to go and get a drill, You've got to drill a hole, and you've got to put an anchor in the hole, and you've got to drill or put a screw into the anchor, and then you get to hang whatever it is you want to hang. And when we were doing this, I started just kind of on my own, trying to think, well, you know, I'm a new husband. Let's see if I can, if I can be a good husband and hang these things up. Well, you know, when you're hanging something, you know, you're, you're, you're up close to it, and you're, and you're trying to get it straight. You're trying to get it in the right spot on the wall, and when you're really close, you think it's straight, right? Or you think it's in the right spot until you've got it up on the wall and you step back and you realize I've made a terrible mistake. And now I've got to take it down and take out the anchor and start all over again. And I learned really fast that I needed to have someone with me to show me, hey, you're not in the right spot. To tell me, hey, move that over. No, it's crooked. And make sure that it's right. I needed someone like that in my life. And you know what? We need people like that in our lives. Someone that can look at the picture and say, hey, it's not straight, it's crooked. We need friends that we can speak life into and that can speak life into us. We need true biblical friends. And the scripture shows us that biblical friendship, that biblical friends are based on a foundation of encouragement. So there's a great example in the scripture, maybe the greatest example of encouragement that we can look at today to learn about biblical friendship, and that is Barnabas. And we're gonna look at the life of Barnabas and see what we can learn from him to be a friend, an encouraging friend. And we're gonna see that if we wanna be encouraging friends, we need to be like Barnabas. And so this is gonna be, we're gonna move around a little bit because we're kind of doing a case study of Barnabas and his life. But we're gonna start in Acts chapter four and 11 and we'll begin there today. So we're gonna see three, three ways that we can be like Barnabas today. Acts chapter four, we're gonna start in verse 32 and go from there. Now it says this, now the full number of those who were believed were of one heart and soul and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him 
was his own. But they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now skip forward just a little bit with me to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, we're gonna look in, in verse 23 and 24 just for another glimpse into the life of Barnabas. And it says this, when he came and saw the grace of God, this is Barnabas, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So we're looking at the life of Barnabas today and how we can be like Barnabas, how to be a true biblical friend that encourages others. And the first thing that we see is that Barnabas was encouraged by the Holy Spirit. If we wanna be like Barnabas, then we are encouraged by the Holy Spirit. The first lesson that we learn from the life of Barnabas is in his name. Now, we saw in Acts chapter four that Barnabas isn't his given name, right? His name from his family is Joseph. But when he is is with the apostles and, and as God is working in his life, the apostles give him the name Barnabas. Now, Barnabas is a Hebrew name. It's Bar-Nabas. Bar, son of Nabas, encouragement. And it even gives us that in the text, son of encouragement. And that word encouragement, it's a powerful word. And it's a word that I wanna look at just for a moment in its language to help us understand the full meaning of it. As it goes from Greek to English, it loses a little bit of its power, a little bit of what it's really saying. And encouragement in Greek, this word here in Acts chapter four, it's paraklesis, paraklesis. And it's a word that means advocate or helper or someone that calls out, someone that walks alongside of you. And this is what Barnabas was known by. He did this so much, the disciples said, you know what, we're not gonna call you Joseph, we're gonna call you Barnabas. This is who you are. And they give him this name. Now, a nickname, does anyone have a nickname here today? Anybody have a nickname? Nope, okay, great. Everyone's just relating right, right from the beginning, that's great. So, nicknames, okay, th- this is bonus. I didn't give this in the first service. This is a bonus one, okay? My dad's, my dad's real name is Raymond but his nickname is Buzz, all right? My dad's nickname is Buzz. When he was a baby, apparently, according to his parents, he spit up like a buzzard. I don't know how anyone knows what this looks like, but apparently they did. So he got the nickname Buzzard from spitting up like the bird. So that's how he got his nickname, all right? I don't know what nickname you may or may not be trying to hide right now this morning, but Barnabas got a nickname because he was such an encourager. And to get a nickname in this, during this time, it's a big deal. Because nicknames like we get today, sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're goofy, sometimes they just kind of happen and, and, we, and we're known by them. But receiving a name like this 
in, in the time of the Bible, it's, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a thing of honor that was bestowed upon him and they see this in his life. This is how he lived. But this word encouragement, the reason I even wanna bring that up, periclesis, is its connection to something that Jesus says in John chapter 14. So if you've got your Bible and you wanna turn back just a little bit to John chapter 14, or it'll be on the screen, <clears throat> we're gonna see that Jesus is having a conversation with the disciples. It's kind of this last talk before he goes to the cross and he's, he's trying to comfort them. He's trying to tell them what's gonna happen and, and how it's gonna be okay. And he says this in John 14 verses 15 through 17. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You will know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. That word helper there, when Jesus says this, Jesus uses the Greek word parakletos, Parakletos, the helper, the Holy Spirit. You may have heard of the Holy Spirit referred to before as the paraclete, the great helper, okay? The God who helps us, the advocate, our helper, our counselor. That's the Holy Spirit's role in our life. He is our primary encourager, the one that it's not just saying nice things and, and doing something nice to make someone feel good, which is what we may equate encouragement to today, but it's this advocate, it's this calling out of the truth in our lives, this correction, calling out what's true when there's lies around us. The, the one that walks beside us, that as Jeff said in the video, kind of puts the hand in your back to kind of help you keep going, to keep moving on, Paracletos. And Barnabas lives out this life so much. He is so full of the Holy Spirit, which we saw in Acts chapter 11. And that, that's a picture when, they, when that's written, it's a picture as if you, you set a glass on a table and took a pitcher of water and began to pour in it until it filled up and overflowed onto the table. That's the Holy Spirit in the life of Barnabas. As the Holy Spirit has encouraged him, then that outpouring of the Holy Spirit works into the lives of those people around him. So Barnabas was such an encourager that he, he gets this name that's connected to the Holy Spirit because that's how his life is defined. And that's what he does and it starts there. It's not about Barnabas's personality or you know, he's, not, he's not just because he has, he's an encourager it doesn't mean he's the life of the party. It doesn't mean that he's got all these friends around him. He's defined by the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. That mean, and that means a lot for us because no matter what kind of personality you have, no matter what kind of background you come from, no matter who you are, you can be like Barnabas, an encouraging friend to others because the Holy Spirit can work in your life as well. In fact, Jesus says this to the disciples. If we're following Jesus, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. But Barnabas had a real relationship with the Holy Spirit. He wasn't just trying to be a friend because he knew the right answers, but he had a real relationship with the Holy Spirit. And if we wanna be like Barnabas, if we want to be someone who's a real biblical friend to others and encourage others, we have to have a real relationship with the Holy Spirit so that he can pour into us. 
I think about it like this. Um, how many people have ever been on an airplane, taken a flight somewhere? Let me see your hand, been on an airplane. What's one of the first things after you get on the airplane and you sit down and you, and you, and you got your spot and you're, you're in between two people, what's the, what's the next thing that happens before you take off? What do the flight attendants get together and do? They do like a safety presentation, right? They tell you all the ways that this could go wrong and they just build all this confidence right from the get-go. And they tell everybody on the plane, this is how you buckle your seatbelt because apparently no one knows how to do that. But at the end of the presentation, they talk about the oxygen masks, right? The oxygen mask. Hey, real quick, has anyone ever been on a plane when the oxygen mask came down? Okay, me neither. Okay, so moving on. But the oxygen mask is an interesting part of the presentation. They talk about it coming down and they said, if you're traveling with children or someone else that you're helping, be sure and put on your oxygen mask when? First. And then help those around you. Now as a parent, that's not our first instinct, right? Our first instinct is to make sure our kids are okay to make sure they're safe, to make sure that they're taken care of. And so when I hear that, my first instinct is like, no, I'm not gonna put my mask on first, that's selfish. I'm gonna put the mask on of my family all around me. But the logic doesn't work out like that, right? Because if I'm not getting oxygen, that means that I'm not doing what? Breathing. And if I'm not breathing, I can't help my family. There's a reason they tell you to put the mask on first so that you can have the oxygen you need to help those around you. And if we're gonna be encouraging friends to the people around us, the Holy Spirit needs to be real in our life, pouring into us, being the air that we breathe. And we need to have a real relationship with the Holy Spirit. We need to be in the word, hearing from him, spending time in prayer when he's speaking to us. We need to be, have a real relationship with the Holy Spirit. So we will be like Barnabas if we're encouraged by the Holy Spirit. That's the first thing we see. But the second thing that we see is that we will be like Barnabas if we encourage others. Now let's turn to Acts chapter nine. Turn there with me. And I wanna see a glimpse into the life of Barnabas when he's with Saul. In Acts chapter nine, verses 26 through 28, Luke records this. When he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. He's referring to Saul here. When Saul comes to Jerusalem, trying to join the disciples. They were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. Now Saul is someone who has been persecuting the church, persecuting these men that he's trying to join. He's been taking their friends, throwing them in prison and seeing as some of them are killed. But Jesus comes to Saul on the road to Damascus, changes his life, changes his direction. Saul gives his life to Jesus starts to become a disciple, starts to become a follower of the way. And as he makes his way to Jerusalem, he wants to see the other disciples, but they're a little suspicious. And most of us can probably relate to that. On the surface, you're like, this doesn't, this doesn't add up to me. 
because not long ago you were trying to kill me, but now you wanna be my friend. But Barnabas, this is why, this is why I just love Barnabas so much and why he's so important. Because the Holy Spirit's working in his life so much, he sees what God is doing. He sees the truth in this situation where people are doubting what's going on, when people question what God is doing. When Saul's life is about to go a different way, Barnabas sees the truth and he encourages others. He takes, he takes Saul, we also know him by his Greek name, Paul, and he takes him to the apostles. He says, no, we've, listen, God's doing something here and we need to listen. God's working in his life. And what happens after that? Saul goes, he starts to, he starts to preach in, in Jerusalem and people come to know the Lord and then, and then he goes back to Tarsus and then later on in Acts chapter 11, Barnabas goes to Antioch because there's a church starting there. He goes to help them. Then he goes to get Saul from Tarsus and they start working together. And then Saul and Barnabas get sent off by Antioch to go out into the mission field and Barnabas and Paul, they start planting churches and leading people to the Lord. And then eventually Paul starts writing letters and he writes half, half of the New Testament. And I think, what would have happened if Barnabas would not have encouraged Paul in that moment with the disciples? Well, what, what would the Bible be like? What would the church be like if Barnabas wouldn't have spoke up? What would our church today look like if we could be people like Barnabas who encourage others, who speak the truth of what God is doing in the lives of those around us, who speak up? You know, there, there are people who God is calling to do something, maybe teach a, a, a small group or maybe teach a class, serve in children's ministry, Maybe go and start a church somewhere. Maybe go serve on the mission field. Maybe be a pastor themselves. Maybe they're, they're just called to go and show the neighbor, or excuse me, the gospel with their neighbor. But they're, wait, but they're doubting that. They're, they, they think, I, I'm not good enough to do that. I don't know the right words. I don't know enough to teach, a, teach the Bible. I, I, I don't know what to say when someone asks me a difficult question. Or I'm just not outspoken enough or or God can never use me. Maybe God's calling you to give your life to him, to have a real relationship with him, and you think, I'm not good enough for that. I'm not good enough to be a part of a church. After what I've done, what would it be like if we could be like Barnabas and speak the truth into the lives of others and speak through all those lies and say, you know what? I see God doing something in you. I think God's calling you to do this. I think God's calling you to teach. I think God's calling you to serve in the nursery. I think God's calling you, I think God's calling you to go serve as a missionary somewhere. What would life be like? It would be incredible. And just think of what it would have been like if Barnabas hadn't spoke up. We need to be an encouraging friend to someone or others who we can call out what God's doing in their lives. Either the truth of what's going on or, or maybe speak against the lies 
Speak against the sin that's clouding their lives and their, their hearts and their minds. There's a powerful video that, that Dove, the company that makes you know, like, um, uh, products like lotion and, and shampoo and things like that, they made this short film about 10 years ago, 10 years ago called Real Beauty Sketches. And they took an FBI trained sketch artist and then they put them in a room and they got some, some, some women to participate in this, in this video. And they would bring in one woman at a time and they would sit behind a curtain and describe themselves to this sketch artist. And he'd ask him questions and he began to sketch them based upon how they described their appearance from their perspective. But then he would ask them to describe someone else, another participant in the group of ladies. So by the end of the video, there's a sketch that every person has. One is a sketch that they described of themselves and the other one is a sketch that someone else described of them. And the difference is amazing. It's incredible, it's incredibly moving because all these sketches you see, when, people are, are, when, when, these, when these women are describing themselves, don't look anything like them. It falls way short of their real beauty. But when other people describe these ladies to the sketch artist, it looks like who they really are. It's the truth. And we need to be friends like that to people around us. As the Holy Spirit's encouraging us, then we can speak the truth into the lives of others about what God is doing for them. So we can be like Barnabas when we're encouraged by the Holy Spirit. We can be like Barnabas if we encourage others. And finally, this morning, we're gonna see that we can be like Barnabas if others encourage us. Let's, let's take a look at, I wanna invite you to go to Galatians chapter two. Galatians chapter two. Now, I have to, to thank Dr. Bobby Kelly for pointing this out to me. I knew I was gonna be here this morning and I knew if I was gonna say anything about Greek, I had to go talk to Dr. Bobby Kelly first, right? Because uh, I just, I had to be careful. So I wanted to go, I, I bounced my ideas off of him and wanted to make sure I was on the right track and, and he was very encouraging as well, but he also reminded me of this part of Barnabas' life that I often forget because while I love Barnabas and, I, and he's a hero to me, uh, he wasn't perfect. And this describes a time in his life when he needed someone to speak the truth. And I think it's important for us to see that. Galatians chapter two, we're gonna look in verses nine through 15. Now this is Paul writing to the Galatians. He writes this, and when James and Cephas, that's Peter if you remember, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked, excuse me, only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles but when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews 
acted hypocritically along with him so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? So Paul is describing this situation to the Galatians. He's doing this because when he traveled there, he shared the gospel with them, began a church there, and after he leaves, a group of people known as the Judaizers come in behind him and begin to tell a false gospel about how their salvation is incomplete because they don't have circumcision. Now, they're not Jewish, but the Judaizers are trying to say, you need to be like Jewish people if you wanna have the real salvation. And Paul is teaching against that, and he uses this instance that happens in Antioch as an example of just how powerful this argument and this controversy was. And it's so powerful that men like Peter and James and John get drawn into it, and they draw Barnabas into it right along with them. And in this moment, Barnabas is the one who needs the encouragement. He needs the encouraging correction, even though it's strong and direct, but he needs that from Paul. It's in this moment that we see that everyone needs a friend. It's not just about being a friend, but it's about having a friend who will speak into your life. It's not about being ready to give the encouragement, but also being ready to listen to it. And this is an important message for us because many of us don't like to let, our, let ourselves be open to hearing that kind of encouragement. Many of us like to hide and not really engage in life with people. In the church, you may be here and, and your pattern is to come in Sunday and, and, and come to worship and, and then go home and, and you've checked off your box and, and that's, that's all that's good for you, but it's not what... God really wants for us. If we're gonna follow Jesus, we need people who are encouraging us. We need real biblical friends in our life who will speak the truth to us, but also will, will tell us when things are wrong. Either tell us when we're believing the lies or when we're living out something that we really shouldn't be. We need that. Barnabas needed that, and we need that too. We must not only strive to be an encouraging friend, but we must also allow encouraging friends to be in our lives, to lift us up and correct us. And I think the video that we saw at the beginning is really just a great example of that. Jeff mentioned this. Um, when, when we met each other, this was in 2008, I was on staff at First Baptist Church in Ada. I was a college and multimedia and singles pastor. And he came in and we became really friends really fast. And it was a time in my life when I was doubting a lot of things. And I was ready to, to quit ministry, I was ready to walk away, I was, I was just, I was done, and I was wrestling with God about this. And God brought Jeff into my life to help me remember the truth of what he had called me to do. There's been a few times in my life when I've wrestled with things like that. But God's used an encouraging friend like Jeff to help me continue on. And you know this. I mean, ministry's hard, but other jobs are hard too. Life is hard. Marriages are hard. Relationships are hard. Family is hard. Life is difficult. And sometimes we just want to give up and go a different direction. 
And we start believing these lies, like oh, I'd be happier if only I was doing this or I was with this person instead or, or whatever that might be. But we need people in our lives that, that can keep us, keep the picture straight on the wall and say, no, God has this for you. God's doing this, God's called you to this. This is the truth. We all need that in our lives. Biblical friendship is not just important, it's essential to our walk with Jesus. And there's some ways that we can respond today to this truth, and you'll have a moment to respond. Just in just a few moments, we're gonna sing a song, and, and, and maybe your response today just is to sing and worship God, just to point your heart to him and remember him and let him pour into you. But maybe your response today is to make that relationship with God real. Have a real relationship. Go from knowing about God to actually knowing him. Because a lot of us, we know a lot about God. If you're here today, you have at least an awareness of who God is. But you may not actually know him. There's a difference. And today, you can make that right. And maybe today, God's calling you to, to something and, and you just need an encouragement of people around you or you need to be that encouraging friend. God's calling you to become more plugged into the church. Maybe to join. Maybe to talk to someone about what that means. Maybe join a group. And maybe you are a member here, but you're not really a part of a group or a part of the small group ministry here. Maybe God's calling you to that today. But in a moment, I'm gonna pray. We're gonna stand, we're gonna sing. You'll have a moment to respond. If God's calling you to do something, don't hesitate. Respond today. Let's pray. <coughs> God, we're